Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. And so tonight, just to get into our study, we are going uh, to study from Mark chapter 10, uh, verses 46 through 52. So we want to go before the Lord in prayer, ask God's uh, blessing upon the remainder of the service and upon the teaching. Father, we once again thank you for your word. We thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus. We pray, Father, that you'll help us to have open and receptive hearts to receive your word and the work of your spirit in us and through us, that you may be glorified in and through our lives. And we pray, Father, um, that you keep us safe on this campus and all of those who um, are sick, Lord, we pray for healing and a speedy recovery. Those who have gone through surgeries, we pray against any setbacks and that you'll be glorified in that situation. And Father, I pray for a fresh filling of your spirit. I pray for the gift of teaching and May I decrease, Father, and you increase at this time. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. So once again, Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Uh, And the title of tonight's uh, lesson is Ignoring the Voice of the Crowd. Ignoring the Voice of the Crowd. Now speaking of a crowd, I'm... Just wondering tonight if you ever had to perform or perhaps even play a sport in front of a crowd. Wonder how many people had that experience. If you had that experience, you would remember or recognize that there are some people in the crowd who are for you and they're very encouraging. And so those are the voices in the crowd that you want to tune into as you're performing or playing that sport. But then there's some who are brutal, depending on what level you're playing at. Or if you ran track or whatever, whatever level that was, some folks could be brutal. And I remember one time I was lining up to, to run and there were some people, some students from the sideline, they were in the stands and I was about to run the 400-meter race, and they were just saying all kind of crazy things to me. And and we were in south-central L.A. I went to Banning High School in in Wilmington, but the high school we were running at was Crenshaw High School in south-central, and they were just saying some crazy stuff from the stands. And at that time, I I wasn't all that um, cool-headed, and so I said something back to them. Instead of ignoring the crowds. Because again, once, some people are just going to be brutal. But in the situation like that, it's so important to know which voices to ignore. Because if not, your performance will be effective, affected in a negative way. And so it's so crucial, so crucial to decide which voices to tune into and to tune out. 
But in the same way in our spiritual walk with the Lord, we have to discern. We have to decide which voices to listen to, which voices to disregard or ignore. And so in tonight's lesson, we're going to find some encouragement. And this encouragement we're going to find in this lesson is going to help us to keep pressing on in spite of the naysayers, in spite of the negative opinions around us. And these could come from people who don't know you personally. They're not in your inner circle, so to speak. It could be people you listen to on the radio or somebody you're watching online or on TV just saying negative things, being the naysayers about what you believe and what your goal in life is according to what God had put on your heart to do. And so we want to find that encouragement in the scriptures to help us to keep pressing on in spite of. And so in tonight's lesson, we go to Mark 10 and we begin at verse 46. And just like this past Sunday, we're going to talk about someone who is blind. But of course, this is a different individual. And we'll see that Jesus deals with him in a different way. But verse 46 says, now they came to Jericho. They being Jesus and his disciples. And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and then another group, a great multitude. It says that blind Bartimaeus. The son of Timaeus sat by the road begging. And here I want to turn to Luke chapter 18, verses 36 through 37, because we get some information that kind of fills in the gaps. So in Luke 18, 36, it says, in hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. Again, this is blind Bartimaeus. What's going on? And so the people told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And back in Mark 10, 47, and it says, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, when blind Bartimaeus heard that, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. And of course, Jesus is called Jesus of Nazareth because that was his hometown. That's where he grew up. And then, of course, notice that as Bartimaeus cried out to him, he called him son of David. And son of David is a title for the Messiah, the Christ. Messiah, of course, comes from the Hebrew and Christ comes from the Greek and it means anointed one. And so son of David is a title for the Messiah because it was promised that the Messiah would be a physical descendant of King David. And so he wanted Jesus, whom he recognized to be the Christ, to have mercy on him. And he cried out his request. But I do want to point out a couple of details that you'll find in Matthew and Luke. 
Because these details that you'll find in those gospel accounts will need to be reconciled with what we find in Mark in regard to this same story. Because what you'll find is what some people will call contradictions, but they are not contradictions. They are explanations. And so I want to take a little time to explain what would appear to be contradictions in Matthew, Luke, and Mark in regard to this very story that we're, or the same story that we're reading tonight. And one thing I want to point out is that in Mark 10, 46 and Luke 18, 35, they only mention one blind man. And of course, that one blind man is named Bartimaeus. And we find out his name in Mark's account, which we're reading tonight. But then according to Matthew chapter 20, verse 30, there were two blind men who were sitting by the road and both of them cried out to the Lord for mercy. And so according to um, Matthew's account, both men, both of these blind men are involved in what we're going to read in the rest of the story. And so what's going on here is that, of course, there's really no contradiction Because the simple math is wherever, again, there are two, there is one. Whereas Mark or Matthew mentioned both of the blind men, Mark and Luke are only focusing on one. They're focusing on the one who was prominent, the one who was probably more vocal. So that's why Mark and Luke only focus on Bartimaeus. And then another what some people would say is a contradiction could also be found in, in these gospel accounts. And again, they're not contradictions. And so we're explaining them tonight in Mark 10, 46, for example, and in Matthew 20, 29, you'll, you'll find that it states that Jesus encounters the blind man or the blind men as he was leaving Jericho. You see there in Mark 10, 46, it says, as he went out of Jericho. But then Luke 18, 35 say, says that Jesus encountered the blind man as he was coming near Jericho. So what's up with that, Darrell? Is there contradiction in the location? Okay, so we address the issue of the two blind men versus the one prominent one. So now let's address the location. Okay, so which one is correct? Was it, was it when Jesus was leaving Jericho or coming near that he had this encounter with Bartimaeus and this other blind man? Well, first of all, there were two Jerichos. There was the old city of Jericho, and there was also the new city of Jericho. And in the new city of Jericho, that's where Herod the Great built a winter palace. But if you remember about the, the old Jericho, that, that was standing during the time of Joshua, the guy who succeeded Moses as the leader of the Hebrew nation, of the Israelites. And so the old Jericho, by the way, is that same city that had its walls fall down flat when the people shouted. But this New Testament site, this new city, Jericho, is south 
of that old city of Jericho. So to keep it short, there were two Jerichos, one old, one new, one Old Testament, one New Testament. And so here's the solution. Here's how we reconcile what we see in Matthew, Mark and Luke. So what's going on here is that Jesus encountered the blind man, of course, one of whom was Bartimaeus, after he left the old city, Jericho. So he was leaving the old city, Jericho, but he was coming near to the new city of Jericho when he saw these blind men. So there is no contradiction. Just simple archaeology would explain this issue. So now we come to Mark 10, 48. It says, then many, many people warned blind Bartimaeus to be quiet. He was crying out to Jesus as the Messiah. Have mercy on me. They were like, hush, be quiet. But he cried out all the more. And again, he says, son of David, have mercy on me. Have pity or compassion on me. And what a great statement that is. Because we too should want God to deal with us in mercy. As opposed to justice. And, and I'm speaking of justice in the sense of us getting what we deserve when it comes to judgment. We don't want what we deserve. We would love to have compassion Pity, mercy, which is us not getting what we really deserve. That's mercy. And by the way, we should want God's mercy in our circumstances. Just like blind Bartimaeus did and the other blind man. They wanted God's mercy in their situation. Their situation of being physically blind. So whatever our circumstance is, we should be appealing to his mercy. He is a compassionate God. He is a merciful God. And so God, don't deal with me according to justice. I really don't want what I deserve. I, I want mercy, not getting what I really do deserve. I want compassion from you. And we should also want God's mercy in regard to salvation. Because if we don't appeal to the fact that God is merciful and that we want his mercy, then once again, we get justice in, in Romans six twenty three, And this is the first half of it tells us what that justice looks like. It says that, the wages of sin is death. That's justice. That's getting what we really deserve. We've sinned against a holy God. And because he's a holy God, he, he has to deal with sin. And so the wages of sin is death. But Titus 3 verses 4 and 5 Tells us more about God's mercy. Again, this is what we want. This is what we want to appeal to when it comes to asking God to deal with us in regard to our situations and salvation. It says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by 
works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. And you might want to underline that through the washing of regeneration or the new birth and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So according to God's mercy, he saved us, us not getting what we really deserve. Remember, it says the wages of sin is death. And when you talk about death, you talk about a separation, physical death. Just to start there is the separation of the soul from the body, spiritual death. Many people experience that. All of us were there before salvation. And some people are in spiritual death right now, which means they could be physically alive. Their soul could be in their bodies right now, but spiritually, they're separated from God. Spiritually separated from the life of God. They don't have eternal life in them. And so if they remain in that state and die in that state, then they will experience what we call eternal death. That's an eternal separation from God. And so according to his mercy, he saved us from the wages of sin. And that, and he's able to do that because his justice was poured out on Jesus. And so God is not changing anything about his character of being a God of justice, a God of wrath or a just God. It's just that Jesus took that wrath for us. Jesus took the justice of God, the father for us. Therefore, his mercy and his grace is available to all. But I want to show you one more thing in in Psalm 103.10. If you want to turn there. Speaking of God, it says he has not dealt with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities. Our iniquities are are the, the lawlessness. And so he hasn't dealt with us in the way that we truly deserve. So even when many of us face the consequences of our sins and of our lawlessness or iniquities, many times we still experience the mercy of God. Many times we're still not feeling the consequences of what we really deserve from it. So sometimes even in that, we experience his compassion, his mercy. And so blind Bartimaeus and the other blind man, they had it right in asking Jesus to have mercy upon them in their physical blindness. You see us in our pitiful state. You see that we are a wretch. We, you see that we need some help, that we cannot help ourselves. We've been in this blind state for a while, and many of you have been in your tough situations for a while, experiencing your illnesses for a while, experiencing your financial situations for a while. And so I would encourage you to appeal to the God of mercy and ask for his mercy and helping you in your situation. Mark 10, 48, it says then again, once again, then many warned them to be quiet, but he cried out all the more son of David have mercy on me. Skip into verse 49. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called or brought to him. 
Then they called the blind man, saying to him, be of good cheer. In other words, take courage. Rise. He is calling you. One thing that stands out in that verse that I want to park here and talk about is the fact that Jesus stood still. So he heard the voice of Bartimaeus. He heard the voice of the other blind man and he stood still. If you guys are parents, as many of you as are parents, you can understand a little something about this because you can be in a conversation. You could be in another room doing something. But then when you hear your, one of your children crying, you can have multiple children, but you can discern the cry of each one of them. You know exactly which one is crying. And so you would stop that conversation. You would stand still and stop whatever you're doing and give some attention to whatever child is crying at that moment. And so by Jesus standing still when he heard this cry from Bartimaeus, it just reminds us of the fact that God is attentive to his children when they cry out to him. Or it may not seem like it, but he's attentive. It may not feel like it, but God is attentive to the cry of his children. And Jesus, of course, being the express image of God, the father reveals to us the heart of the father. So if you want to know what the invisible God, the father is like, then look at Jesus again. He stood still and was attentive to the cry of this blind man. And it just reminds me of something that I see in Hebrews 4.16. Because some of us will shy away from crying out to the Lord. Some of us are not taking advantage of crying out to the Lord. But Hebrews 4.16 says to us, it says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, we are able to come boldly to God's throne of grace because Jesus is our high priest. So Jesus represents humanity to God and he represents God to humanity. As high priest, perfect man. And fully God, he's able to stand in the gap and represent both and connect us. He is the mediator between man and God. And because he's our high priest, once again, we can come boldly to God's throne of grace. We can go there in prayer because of what our high priest has done for us. And so when we go to God, the father, we don't go in our own name. We don't go in our own credit or own righteousness. We go in Jesus's good credit. And therefore, we can come boldly to God's throne of grace. We can go there with our prayer requests so that we may obtain mercy, compassion in our time of need. Those sins that we've committed, we can go there and receive forgiveness for that. And God's forgiveness is a demonstration of his mercy. 
but we also find grace. We find favor to help us in our time of need, to give us strength to do whatever it is he has called us to do. Whatever it is we need him to do in us and through us, we can go there to find that grace to help us in our time of need. And in Mark 10, 50, it says, and throwing aside his garment, that's what Bartimaeus says. He threw his cloak, his coat aside, and he rose and he came to Jesus. Because remember, Jesus says, hey, bring him to me. Bring him to me. Now, this garment that he threw aside reminds me of righteousness. And regarding garments as a representation of human righteousness, that is self-righteousness. And in regard to garments reminding me or should remind all of us of God's righteousness, what I want to do here is turn to Zechariah chapter 3. We want to look at verses 1 through 4. And again, we're going to focus on the garment. Our own garments, first of all, representing our self-righteousness. And then, of course, talking about the garment of God's righteousness. And so in Zechariah 3, verses 1 through 4, I see this interesting vision that God gives to Zechariah. In Zechariah 3, 1, it says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest. And he was standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan was standing at his right side to oppose him or to come against him. And so many believe that the angel of the Lord here is an example of an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. And so Joshua, this high priest at the time, he's standing before the angel of the Lord, Satan there at his right hand coming against us or against Joshua in this sense. But he does come against us as well because he's called Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And so I can imagine that he's accusing Joshua, the high priest at this point. It's in Zechariah 3, 2, it says, and the Lord said to Satan and, and Satan Here means, of course, adversary. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Speaking of Joshua, the the high priest, isn't this a burning stick who was plucked from the fire? So the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. In other words, he was clothed at that time in his own righteousness, which is really no righteousness at all because the scriptures tell us in Isaiah that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags in the sight of God. And so he's clothed there in this vision. Remember, this is a vision that the Lord gave to Zechariah. He's standing there in filthy garments, standing before the angel of the Lord. And then in verse 4, the angel of the Lord answered. And he spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. Take away his own righteousness 
so to speak, from him. It says filthy rags. Take it away from Joshua, the high priest. And to him, to Joshua, the angel of the Lord said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. Just love that vision when it comes to how God desires and he is able to clothe us with his own righteousness. And and so when I see uh, uh, Bartimaeus casting aside his garments, it just reminds me of him casting off his self-righteousness, casting off his righteousness, his filthy rags, so to speak. And he rose and came to Jesus. And when he rose and came to Jesus, he came to the right person. He came to the right place for righteousness. Because that's the only righteousness that counts. The righteousness that comes from God through faith in Christ. So I'm wondering tonight if there's anybody in the room or on, uh, on the camera right now on the internet who's viewing this and and you're still holding on to your own righteousness i would say that we need to take something from the playbook of blind bartimaeus and and cast those garments our own righteousness aside because the scriptures tell us in romans chapter 3 that there was no one who is righteous no not one So cast aside that righteousness and exchange it for the righteousness that comes from the Lord. The only righteousness, again, that that really matters. You see, the apostle Paul had it right. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. He says, yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count those things as rubbish that I may gain Christ. So all of those accolades and everything that I have accomplished, all of those things that I thought I was doing good, those good works that I was doing to to earn my own righteousness, to earn a right standing before God. I've suffered the loss of all those things and they are as dung. They are as trash to me because I exchanged those things so that I may gain Christ. You see, the apostle Paul had it right. And he says, and be found in him, be found in Jesus, not having my own righteousness. This is what we're talking about. This is what we saw as I'm talking about Bartimaeus. And this is what I talked about in the vision that Zechariah had in regard to Joshua, the high priest. He says, not having my own righteousness. Again, it is really no righteousness at all when we're talking about our own righteousness, but just flow with me here. It says, which is from the law. That means that he was trying to keep the law to earn righteousness. But no, not having that, but that which is through faith in Christ. This is what we're talking about tonight. That righteousness through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And so Jesus answered, Mark 10, 51, and said to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that is my master or teacher. 
he highly respected Jesus. But his request is made known to Jesus that I may receive my sight. And we don't see it here, but Matthew 20 verse 34 says that Jesus had compassion and he touched their eyes. Not only Bartimaeus, but the other blind man's eyes. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus on the road. And I really love what it says in, in Luke eighteen forty three in, re, in regard to this same story, this very same story. Because in Luke eighteen forty three, not only does it say that he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road, but it adds that he was glorifying God. And the people, when they saw what happened, they also gave praise to God. I want to emphasize here that after Bartimaeus was given his sight, what did he do? He, he followed Jesus. In other words, he became a pupil or what we call a disciple. He followed Jesus. And I would just say that for those of us who are now able to see, those of us who've repented, we put our faith in Christ who can see spiritually now. We're saved now. We should be following Christ. We should now be disciples. We should be talking like Jesus, teaching what Jesus taught. We should be doing the things of Christ, having the heart of Christ. In other words, allowing Jesus through the Holy Spirit to live his life through us. And so it's not about us trying to live like Christ on our own. It is about Christ living his life through us, through the Holy Spirit. And we should be following him. For we can now see, just like Bartimaeus, you see, this man did not only receive his physical sight, but his spiritual sight. And I just like this point that came to my mind because it's so true in our walk with the Lord that the Lord didn't save us to stay put. In other words, what I'm saying is that the Lord did not save us to to live the same way. To stay in our same lifestyle. To keep living that same lifestyle. Because the scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if any man is in Christ, that he is a new creation. He's a new creature. That the old things have passed away and that all things have become new. And so he didn't save us to remain the same old person. To remain the same old derail. Now we become a follower of him. But now, what if blind Bartimaeus had listened to the crowd? What if he had listened to the negative voices in the crowd? What if he had listened to the naysayers? What if he had listened to those who told him to hush? You're crying out for Jesus. You're, you're bothering Jesus. He's passing through. Be quiet. Let him pass through. Leave him alone. You're embarrassing us. But what if blind Bartimaeus had listened to the naysayers in the crowd and had kept quiet? If that would have happened, he would have missed out on his blessings. 
And I will submit that there's many of us in this room and who are watching right now online, maybe on your tablets, your, your cell phones or computer screens, some even on the TV right now, if you have the TV app. There's some of you listening right now, viewing right now, who have indeed ignored the crowd. You have indeed ignored the discouragers. You have indeed ignored those who are in opposition to you and who are in opposition against the will of God being worked out in and through your life. You've ignored the crowd. And the question I have for you is, aren't you glad you didn't listen to the crowd? Aren't you glad you didn't listen to those negative voices in the crowd? When they were against you, when you were about to give your life to Jesus, when they told you how, how awful of a person you're going to be, oh, you're going to become a bigot or whatever they may say if you give your life to Jesus. You're going to become this holy roller. You, you won't be able to have any fun anymore just saying all kind of negative things about you becoming a believer. Those naysayers. Aren't you so glad that you ignored those negative voices in the crowd? Aren't you glad that you ignored the naysayers in the crowd, those who wanted you to give up? Or that desire that God had put in your heart to do something. Maybe it's to start a business. Maybe it's to begin a ministry or to become a part of an outreach. But it's a desire that the Lord has put in your heart. And maybe it's not going as smoothly as you would have hoped or other people would have thought. And so they told you to quit, but aren't you glad that you pressed through? Aren't you glad that you did not listen to the negative voices in the crowd? When you kept on trusting the Lord to get you through your trial, to get you through that pain that you are going through. And they told you like, like Job's wife told him, why don't you just curse God and die? Aren't you glad you didn't listen to that voice in the crowd? Aren't you glad you didn't listen to the people in the crowd who told you to stop praying? You've been praying so long. What kind of God does not answer your prayers right away? These naysayers in the crowd may tell you. But aren't you glad those of you who pressed through and you prayed anyway and God answered your prayers right on time. Aren't you glad that you ignored those voices in the crowd? And so there's some of you in this room and, and listening or watching online, you experienced that. You, you've ignored those voices. You were successful in that. But there's some people who are right now are conflicted about which voices from the crowd to listen to. My exhortation is simple. The simple exhortation is to don't listen to those who want you to be quiet. About Jesus. Don't listen to those who want you to be quiet about praying to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Those who want you to stop praying and stop calling on Jesus. I encourage you to, to press through. Don't, don't cater to those who are too proud to depend on Him. And so they want to bring you down to their level. They don't depend on Him, they're too proud, so they want you to remain in their camp. Don't listen to those who are part of the naysayers in the crowd like some of these people were with blind Bartimaeus. 
Don't cater to those who are embarrassed about that magnificent name of Jesus Christ. That name that is above every name. That name to which one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. And when we talk about that name of Jesus, we are not just talking about something that identifies him. We are talking about his person, about who he is. He is Savior. He is Lord. And so I would encourage you to continue to cry out to the Lord in regard to what's going on in the schools. And if you are in the schools, a teacher or student, I would encourage you to pray to the Lord in the school. When I was a school teacher during my break time, during my conference period, I would cry out to the Lord on behalf of my students. So in the schools, cry out to the Lord. There's so many people, so many students in the schools, including teachers and administrators and counselors who are hurting right now. They need prayer, too. So whether you work there or not, cry out for those in the schools. Don't listen to those who tell you to be quiet, to not pray in the name of the Lord for them. Cry out to the Lord, just like blind Bartimaeus in regard to what's going on in your household. Continue to cry out to the Lord in regard to some type of sickness you've had for a while and you don't see an end in sight. Don't listen to those naysayers to tell you to give up. Continue to cry out to him. Continue to cry out to him in your time of need. Continue to cry out to the Lord in regard to your family. Ignore the naysayers in the crowd. Those negative voices in the crowd. As Terrence comes to the stage, he's the worship team tonight. Normally I would say is the worship team takes the stage. But for anybody who has not received the Lord right now, you're on the fence. I know many of you are believers in this room, but there could be someone listening to the audio later on. Maybe, hopefully, even after the rapture, maybe someone will listen to some of our CDs. Who knows? Or view some of the videos online. Who knows? And so there's somebody say, unsaved right now who's watching or maybe even in the room and you're on the fence. I would say to you, don't listen to those naysayers as well. So there's a message in here for you as well, even if you're not a Christian at this time. But don't listen to those who would try to keep you back from repenting and placing your faith in him. Because this Jesus died for you. He thought you were worth it. See, just like Jesus was in the neighborhood, so to speak, of blind Bartimaeus. Jesus right now is in your neighborhood through the preaching of the gospel. He's in your neighborhood. The only difference between Bartimaeus and some people today who continue to put off Jesus is that blind Bartimaeus was like, I'm not letting this opportunity pass. He's in my neighborhood right now. I'm not going to let this opportunity pass. I'm going to cry out to him. And if anybody's not saved, this is your opportunity Right now, he's in your neighborhood. Salvation through Jesus is nearby. 
as we share this last verse or verses in Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. Because I just want to show you how close he is to where you are. This close. To the point where if you confess him with your mouth, confess that he is Lord. Confess Jesus is Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's how nearby Jesus is to to any of you who are not saved at this point. And so the question is, are you going to let this opportunity pass if you don't know Jesus right now? Are you going to let this opportunity pass? Are you going to be like blind Bartimaeus and call out to him to have those spiritual blinders removed? Call out to him for salvation. And so let's pray as we go into the next part of our service, the final part of our service, which is communion. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity you give to all to receive Jesus. For those of us who have been ignoring the naysayers, the opposition to your will, the opposition to us crying out to you, serving you. I pray that you continue to give my brothers and sisters in Christ more and more grace to continue to ignore the Voices that hinder them. They have so many more. Most of all, you who are rooting them on, Father. So I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ to keep on keeping on. And I pray for anyone who are not saved. That, Lord, you remove the spiritual blinders and draw them to Christ. And, Lord, as we go into the communion part of the service and celebrate communion. We just want to ask you, Lord, to reveal anything to us in our lives as sin, any sins of commission or omission that we may confess it to you, repent. And if there's nothing, Lord, we praise you. So at this time, just want to thank you all for coming out. Thank you for watching. And I just pray that you have a blessed week. Of course, we appreciate you all, appreciate your prayers. We love you. As you feel moved, grab the elements, take them back to your seat. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.